Well, welcome back to the Queer MoCast, everybody. Lovely to have you here today. This is KJ, and on my left or right is... uh... I'm Shim Sham. Thank you for coming. It's wonderful. (laughs) And we have a guest today. We do. We have an extra special guest with us all the way from the West Coast. We have Edward Michael. Hello. Hello. It's lovely to have you here with us today. Our first guest. Yeah, very exciting. So, Edward Michael, who are you? What what's going on? <laughs> well, um, I am a born and raised um, here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I live in Washington State in a really small town. Um, well, I say small town, but it's like three of them all just kind of merging together now, and we're all just kind of known as the Tri Cities. Oh. Um, KJ lives in and... the Twin Cities, so that's very fitting. <laughs> oh, okay. So we got single, twin, and then now the Tri. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, so I started um, music back when I was in. I want to say, like, first grade when I was in the, the, the church choir, you know, where everyone was like, oh, he can sing. We're going to put him there directly. And I was like, this is great. Oh, so you started uh, in a awkward, church awkward choir. Smile. I did, yeah. It was What kind of church? Kind of intense. Catholic? It was Southern Baptist. That sounds intense. <laughs> it was. It was It was scary. They had their own, like, little kind of conversion therapy, like, that they did. And it was a little... It was, it was, as soon as I heard that they did that and they tried to put me in there, I was like, no. <laughs> Bye-bye. Nope. But nope. I'm a cheerleader. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back to my high school and I actually did sign up and I got a varsity cheer for on my first year. So that's actually, you know. You were Hell a cheerleader yeah. too? I, I was, yeah. So musician, yeah. cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. Yeah. How were cheerleaders treated where you grew up? Because where we grew up, KJ and I went to the same high school, and where we grew up, cheerleaders were made fun of and were were, were just not treated very nicely. Um, I would say the girl cheerleaders were treated, you know, like they were the bee's knees. Okay. I mean, they, they bend over in their short skirts and they're dancing around, flailing about, and then... There's me over here in my extra large sweatpants and jersey that doesn't fit properly. And I'm just like, I'm here too. (laughs) Were you the only um, male cheerleader? No, there was another male cheerleader on there alongside with me. We both auditioned on the the same year and both got in. But it was almost kind of like, they were like, we don't have guys. So kind of like, all guys were going to... Be on the team. They're like, hey. And was that other person queer, join? or were they straight? Yeah, they were also oh, okay. queer. Yeah. I was just wondering because KJ and I have talked about this. So I'm a nurse, and and I, so I thought nursing would just be full of queer people and just queer nurses, and the male nurses mm-hmm. are very macho. <laughs> <laughs> that I it's have like the met. straightest industry you've ever been in. It's I know weird. they're very masculine. So I was wondering if um, it's like they have to compensate because they're like everyone makes fun of male nurses, so they're like I have to be as macho. I know as it's very gross, them. but I was wondering if cheerleading might be like that. If like a lot of male cheerleaders go very macho, and I just would be very off put by that. No, absolutely, it was definitely like that my freshman year. The the only male cheerleader on there was like the super butch ma- ma- like macho <laughs> guy, and I was like, "Someone's got to get in there and change that." And like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. And so I was like, mm, "My senior year feels right." You just like st- stuck your finger up in the air. You're like, "We got to get some gay up in here." There's not, there's, <laughs> there's, there's not enough. <laughs> I don't sense it in the wind. Uh, it's, it's kind of true though. Our color guard. I joined, so I was in band all through high school, and I decided I really wanted to do color guard my senior year, mostly because I was like, I want to try something different. And I'd always wanted to learn how to throw a rifle, and unfortunately we didn't do it the year that I was there. They did it the year after, oh, or like man. two years after. 
so you know unfortunate but i learned how to throw throw flags and how to how to how to spin flags and i just remember it was so oh, controversial cool like oh this like i wasn't i wasn't genderqueer then but this like um like oftentimes gender ambiguous individual because people couldn't figure it out from behind uh, <laughs> a lot of the time because i was five foot one uh they were like who is this individual on the field or, or like walking walking with the group so i i can feel that where you're like i just needed to like get some gay up in here because it was getting a little yeah. too straight just a little mm-hmm. too much um and sp- it's like y'all getting a little too comfortable yeah yeah we gotta we, we gotta shake things up and to be honest with you, speaking of shaking things up, what we're, what we're here to talk to you about today is something that's near and dear to my heart is being a queer creator, being somebody who yeah. works as a, yeah, someone who creates things and identifies as queer and sort of the ways that being an indie artist is already difficult. And there are some, uh, some really cool things and also some really interesting barriers to being a queer independent artist. So that is what we're here to talk about today. And I'd like to just start with the first question. What do you feel like got you interested besides the church choir? What kept you interested in continuing to pursue music? Um, I'd probably say like, I was very rambunctious, but like in this really kind of quiet way, like I was like self-destructive and mm. very like, oh, I'm going to go do this. And I didn't realize for a long time it was just, you know, like, striving and raging for attention but i mean at the time i was just like i'm just a kid you gotta let me be a kid but (laughs) they saw this like energy and they're like you know i remember you were in choir so we're gonna take you and we're gonna we're gonna sit you down and you're gonna sing these notes and you're gonna do this very Very prescriptive music (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was like "Mm, this is gonna be your new therapy for the next you know millennium so uh get used to it and i i still remember like the the teacher that pulled me aside and put me into it was just like i'm gonna see you one day and you're going to be on tv you're gonna be that person that people are just like oh he made it wow oh gosh oh my gosh and so i was like oh you're just trying to like oh that's kind of nice and oh it was like the person you didn't think was going to be the motivator is the motivator. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know? like it was that's very, better than a teacher pulling you aside and saying, you know, one day I'm going to see you cashiering at Walmart and it's going to be great. <laughs> what kind of teaching Miss Tingle uh, <laughs> like, like situation do we have here? Uh. Anyway, so uh, well, uh, that's cool to have a motivational teacher. But back to your story. It, it very much... Um, I kind of just, I kind of just gave in at one point. I was mm. like, okay, I'm just gonna do this, and so. So you didn't um, want to. I think it was, no, not for a while. I think it was just the nasty taste in my mouth from. Oh the sure. Yeah. And, you know, being queer and being in the church setting just kind of makes you everything that you do afterwards is kind of like, ugh. I it reminds me of that. I don't want to, but she she kind of like directed me into this like you don't have to sing church music, you know, you, you can sing other things. Like there's other music, like we'll start with Mary had a little lamb. And we sang that like a hundred times until I was sick of it. Like it was obnoxious, <laughs> but fifth grade, I signed up for, uh, what was it? The Pacific Northwest all state choir and made it in like the 150 people that made it to this, like little group of people that sang and we were directed by oh gosh I really wish I remember his name um but it was this big composer and we performed in front of like 3,000 people in fifth grade and then come senior year we did the same thing I auditioned again and this time it was 10,000 wow 10,000 people I made it in the top 150 and w- from there, we were all sent to Portland, and that was at the it was the Martin Luther Convention Center in Portland, Oregon. And we performed in front of I think it was another crowd of like two or three thousand people. But this was I think it was like a two hour concert that we performed all with uh, I think it was six six parts. Yeah, six Very parts. Nice. It was so phenomenal. And so kind of from there, it's just. Music's just been kind of what I do, and then I joined concert band, and then I joined jazz band, and from there, that was like, I was like, all right, it, 
music's it. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> this is this is the thing. And yep. it feels really nice, I think, for queer people in particular to find that thing. Because um, the arts do tend to be where a lot of queers congregate. It's not for everyone. Not every single queer wants to be in choir or wants to be in band, wants to dance. Absolutely. But there are a lot of us. And even though they like to tell our stories, we're not always the ones who get to tell them. Um, so it, it is really interesting when like a queer person gets to be like, no, this was, this was a part of my journey and here's how it was a part of my journey on my terms. Absolutely. Although it didn't, it doesn't sound like it started that way. It became that way for you. And that's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah, It's more of the, um, it was, um, I I definitely feel it was that greatness is like thrust upon Mm -hmm. people and that's how they become who they are. Yeah. And so she saw something in me that I didn't see. And so from there, she lit the fire. And now I'm this raging flame of queerness <laughs> that wants to spread my music all over the place and burn everything with this awesome light. You know? Yeah. Well, I like that. That could be a mo- That's a great premise to a movie. No, I don't <laughs> want to sing, even though I'm wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new summer blockbuster. <laughs> And uh, it's well, and it's interesting too because when the soundtrack's already number one on <laughs> now available on iTunes, uh, <laughs> I it, it's it's really fun too because I part of the reason that we uh, found each other was because I started following the hashtag queer music on Instagram because I was like, I want to find other like independent artists who are just like making music even though. It's impossible to break through the algorithm right now. Like, and it, it pretty much has been. Unless you already have a following, it's really hard to Absolutely, get one yeah. on social media. So I was like, I want to actively seek out the musicians that I think are doing something cool and just tag in their music and hoping someone finds it. And I found your post about your new single, Fix Your Own Crown, which we will play a little piece of right here. Insert silence. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody freeze. When I had to fix my own crown, baby, I told myself that that was a day I stopped relying on anyone else. So, babe, just fix your own crown. Fix your own crown. And editing, editing me, well, no, no. Uh, it's, and it's, <laughs> the thing I liked about it was that it was, it's very much a story about the way that queers often are like, well, I guess I'll just do that. I guess I'll just do that myself Um, because a lot of times we're not always led by we don't we don't always have the elders in our lives to kind of lead us through that journey of like, here's how you get through this. Here's how you fix that. Here's how you like react to that. Or like, here's here's how maybe you could think about this differently. A lot of times we are banding together, community, collaborating the best we can. But sometimes we're just sort of in our our lonely little queer spheres where we're like, oh, I guess I'll just figure out how to fix that on my own. And that can be difficult, but it can also be very empowering. And what I liked about your song was that it's focusing on the empowering side of that, how we can, we can really hold on to the fact that we've got that magic. We've got that power. And we are still here after all these millennia of people trying to get rid of us and we're not going nowhere. So, <laughs> which I loved. Um, and yeah, where did the inspiration for that particular piece come from? Doesn't have to be one specific thing. So but. that piece was. It it actually uh, has to do with um, my past relationship that I was in. It kind of like haunted me for a very long time, and it kind of like burdened the relationship that I was in, and I was kind of like taking like bits and pieces almost of it and like trying to compare like which one was better and which one was worse. And by doing so it ended up being that like toxic like relationship where it's like, I'm tearing this person apart for somebody else. And it's like, why am I doing that? Is my, am I hurting? Like, am I, have I had not had that, um, that resolve with that, that feelings. And I sat down one day and I'm like, look, you need to stop being a little, you know, baby and start just growing up and telling yourself like hey like what's wrong who hurt you and what did they do and so I just started writing it out and eventually it just kind of you know it was like fix your own crown you're you're a king fix it stand up 
and lead because you're the only one who's going to be able to lead yourself to those victories that you want. Like, you're going to have your mentors and you're going to have your friends and support, but you're the one who's going to follow in your own footsteps. You have to lead, you have to guide, and you have to treat yourself like your own follower, you know? You have to, you have to heal yourself like you want your music to heal others. So I, that's kind of where it was. I like that because I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of queer people or any kind of marginalized group, I know I definitely went through a phase where we like to take our I- issues out on everyone around us. <laughs> mm, absolutely. And so Guilty. I think that is a huge like coming of age story we all kind of have to learn is how to process our trauma in a healthier way and not the... um get drunk right. and yell at everybody around me way <laughs> <laughs> none of us would know anything about that. i mean that's always We've good to do that. occasionally <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the straight's gotta know yeah but <laughs> it's not all the time Period. <laughs> and so i guess with that that sort of leads me to my my next question which is like what are your general thoughts on being a queer artist in the current the current environment music has become like come like like it's it, it's a commodity in a way that we've never seen before in a lot of ways with with the rise of social media like it's sort of like we've had iterations of this in the 80s and then we had like pop artists in the <clears> 90s <throat> and the early 2000s there's always right. this this iteration of like the like celebrity musicians but it's taken on a whole new vibe now that we're in this new age of you get famous on Instagram, but do you, do you <laughs> <laughs> actually? So, Absolutely. so how do you, what are, what are some of your thoughts and feelings and, and can you fix it for all of us? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, fi- I'm going to fix it right here in like three Perfect. Just wait. Ready? Ready? No, I'm just, kidding. we're listening. Um, I would definitely have to say that right now it's been difficult because I feel like, like you said, it's kind of like, there's so many things going out there and flooding the algorithm that you you kind of almost have to go and pick out what it is that you're looking for. And so, I mean, that's why I try to be as specific as possible with my tags because I know, like, what are other people going to search for and how will they find my music, you know? So I, you have to – I mean, for me, you know, I've been trying to do my YouTube and then I tried to do, like, an art business and then I tried to do, like, T-shirts and I was like, okay, come on, you know, settle down and sit on one thing and – it, it was the music again, like it all just kind of led back to this, but it's, it was very overwhelming to see all of the other people that were also doing it. And at first it was really, really, it was really like disheartening, you know, because like, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm not even going to be seen by people. Right. Like people's are not even going to hear me. But then I had to remind myself, I'm like, am I doing it for people or am I doing it for me? Mm-hmm. And that's where I had to remind myself, I'm like, I'm not doing it for people. I want people to hear it, and I want people to love what I'm writing, but I want them to love it because it's what's coming from my heart, and they can relate to that. And so that's where I've been focusing on my music and hoping that even if it's not, like, mainstream, I'm going to get those true, like, honest people that are like, you know what, I support you all the way down to the worst track that you released at the very beginning, (laughs) you know, like... We, I love that because we, there's a, there's a really excellent line from, uh, it's a musical, it's called Title of Show. Um, and one of the last songs in the show is, uh, the, the lyrics to the chorus is, I would rather be, uh, 10 people's favorite thing than, uh, a hundred people's 10th favorite thing. Um, and I really, really like that. I like, I like the idea Absolutely. of like, I'm making this for the people who want to come on the journey with me and Absolutely. want to possibly like create with me or like, you know, be a part of the process. And for sure, it is really hard in a society that quantifies everything. Like how many followers do you have? How many likes did that post get? How many streams Ugh. does it have? And I know in Austin in particular is like, I would rather jump into the river. I know. Uh, <laughs> when, whenever people start talking about algorithms and views, I'm just like, I'm going to go kill myself, but you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and like we we don't want to make light light of suicidal ideation, but we've all had them. Um, it's it's really really tough, and it's right? usually when, when, when YouTube like, based. Yeah, and, well, because social media <laughs> is a true like we can veer that direction for a second. Social media is a real source of like 
like disheartening depression for a lot of creatives. And I think when you go into it with the mindset of like, I made this thing, I spent a lot of time and effort on it. I want people to see it, but the people who see it are the ones, you know, who actively sought it out because when you aren't, you know, well-known people are watching it because they're like either a, they feel a sense of obligation because they know you, but you know, that's one thing. And then there are the people who like actually enjoy what you have. And sometimes those are, you know, that then diagram converges. The people that care about you like what you do. Um, but, but you know, it's, it, it takes some time to kind of figure out like, okay, where is the energy that I want to pour into this? And do I want to pour that much time and energy into, okay, at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, I'm going to post this thing because that's the time the algorithm is going to be most like that immediately makes my head want to explode. Right. It's a lot. It's overwhelming. I remember when I started doing my shirt business, like everyone that I talked to, they were like, Dope. do you know what time uh, your algorithm has the highest viewers? Do you know like when people are most active? And I was sitting there and it's like insert dial up and uh, like looking around, <laughs> confused, looking around like, um, yes, I, I do that. That's that's probably why. The I'm algorithm, is so that well on known. email? Do I get that on my email? Is this is this Apple? Is that on, is ele- is that on electronic <laughs> online? Is there a subscription for that? <laughs> oh my god! Do you need a screen name? Uh, just yeah. And I also I imagine that. that COVID has kind of changed everything because mm. I feel like um, I mean, lots of people I think get their main base online and through social media but i also feel like there's a school of thought of doing live shows and then giving out your social media handles at live shows and that's but with covid um the the crisis that won't end uh i would imagine that that's kind of changed how everybody's approaching this yeah i mean do you do you have an opinion on the what the the kind of up and coming culture of bedroom musicians is what it's being called kind of the um uh the Billie Eilish sort of like doors that the doors she's opened uh <laughs> is that how she got famous that? yeah they they recorded that in their house she and her brother who also did come from money and came from privilege and people like to talk about they just did it all on their own it's like no they didn't but at the same time money always helps have you thought of having more money (laughs) you know i hadn't thought about it until this exact second that you said that yeah anyway edward michael what's your it's like "Mm, this is gonna this is gonna make money right your one dollar check is in the mail perfect It can reimburse the stamp for the application. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah. Well, I would definitely have to say that I would feel that people that are at home recording, you know, it's definitely going to give us a whole, I feel like it, it, it is going to add like a whole nother genre of kind of, I would never, wouldn't necessarily say style of music, but more like a style of production. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to necessarily see people primarily focused on, oh, I'm working with so-and-so on a labeled brand over at so-and-so's studio. It's like, I did this in my closet, like, with the lights off, because why not? <laughs> like, at 4 a.m. and my neighbors hate me. But I I was, it, it came out, and it was great. So, like, thumbs up, you know? But I definitely see it's going to bring... A different side of culture. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into it because I can talk to it for hours and I'm like a nerd about it. But like the whole NFT world, like they're starting to get into music, and they're starting to bring that into the whole Web three thing where people can like purchase your license and then listen to it in this new like virtual space. So like music's really thriving from self produced artists. What is NFT? So I feel like- Not safe for work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> close it can be but, but no i, no, I seriously like, don't know what that means it's a like non-fungible token it's like cryptocurrency and it's a lot of mumbo jumbo that a lot of people are just like it's oh, fake and it's I'm not like, fungible okay. i mean okay. yeah <laughs> honestly Absolutely. i'd be more on board with it if it wasn't being used by mostly like a handful of tech bros to get richer like that's 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 where I really struggle with it. I totally agree that like digital digital spaces are 
kind of going to have some some like like impact on the future. For sure. I wor I sometimes worry that when people start talking about it, people sometimes forget that who like where does power prestige and like ability to make that thing those things happen like come from it's mostly rich straight white dudes um who t- love to ruin the party and for everyone yeah <laughs> they love to ruin yeah. the party for everyone else so even if even if this like is where music is heading my alarm bells immediately go off in my head i'm like and how are the how are the how are the heterosexuals going to ruin this for all of us too? <laughs> I don't mean to be pessimistic. It's just sort of like let's look at history. So, but it's really I mean, interesting. I, pessimistic. I would be like exactly. It's. <laughs> I'd very much have to say that it's. I agree with you that it's there. It's it's going to be that repetitive thing that we're going to see. And I wouldn't say pessimistic. I would just say it's more realistic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you sound like my therapist right now. Cause that's exactly what they said to me a couple weeks ago at our last, <laughs> our last, like, I wouldn't call that pessimistic. It sounds like you're just accurately putting your finger on the pulse of that. Uh, <laughs> which, oh, but I think, you know, okay. So, but I didn't know what NFT was, but where were we? You said something about the future. <laughs> what is this future you speak of? No, yeah. What were you, what were we talking about? You're talking about NFT world musicians something. Go. Oh yes, it was the like the way that it's just kind of like growing about all of like the self production mm. and people are they're building themselves through community based value versus having to have all of those funds to get themselves out there and to promote them. You know, you can do all of the free promotions and tweets and on Instagram and having your friends tweet it and there's free way to do it. And that's kind of what they're trying to do, but doing it free and making it there. It's like 100% profitable at that point because they're doing all of the work. So that's what they're spending is they're spending their time, Mm -hmm. but then someone else is going in and being able to buy that, but they can, Anytime someone sells it to someone else, they still make, like, royalties on it. So it can keep getting traded to other people, like trading cards. And you, as the creator, will keep making an income. So I feel like I feel like bedroom musicians and bedroom artists and bedroom producers are probably going to be the next, like, it thing, I feel like, coming into this new year, for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially with COVID. <laughs> well, and COVID, I think, also awakened a lot of people like, I want to do that. I've said I've wanted to do it. And now I've been trapped at home or, you know what I mean? Like, like I've been, I've been in my yeah, house. no excuses anymore. Yeah. Like, just, and also, like, we're on the brink of disaster from one thing or the other at this point in time. So, like, why not? <laughs> if not now, when? <laughs> yeah, my partner said it best. It's just like, we're on a floating rock in space do what makes you happy like <laughs> come on i'm like you're you're right absolutely that's 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 it i'm floating rock in space okay cool i'm gonna i'm gonna be a rock star now cool Done. perfect Period. we come from stardust and from stardust we shall return um absolutely. but and i i guess like what are some of the things that you because i i think every musician every person who creates every artist is sort of taught one way if they were ever taught about it and either in school or from mentors that like success is being famous, right? That's success in the mostly like music and performance world. People knowing your name across the land is success. And I'm curious to know what are your thoughts on like success as particularly a queer independent artist? Cause I think again, our ideas about where we come from and where we want to go tend to differ from other people sometimes. Yeah, definitely. That's actually a really great question. Um, I would have to say that like my idea of success is um, the time and freedom to travel and be able to express myself freely, be able to set my schedule, wake up when I want to, but you know, also know like mm, I have an obligation at four o'clock tonight. I have a concert, but you know, I'm gonna go on my balcony and eat eggs Benedict. You know, like I just. I want the luxurious part of living, but I don't necessarily want, like, the luxurious things, if that makes sense. Like, I want the financial freedom, I want the the time, but I also want people to hear my music, and I want to be able to perform in front of thousands of people 
but it's just me instead of 150 other people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel that I so hard. It. I am so <laughs> tired of waking up at 6 a.m. I'm. <laughs> oh my god. Well, and and you know what I love most about it is that a lot of the things that you. Th- you listed are like i would like basic human dignities please (laughs) (laughs) that would be amazing i know like i know whoa dream big (laughs) but Uh, right (laughs) i mean but i i think that that gets to the heart of a lot of it is that a lot of times we do um we do we're we're taught that like luxury like owning a lot of things like um, having, having multiple houses, like all these things, like that's success. Like that's, that's right. a successful like musician. That's a successful artist. That's a blah, blah, blah. Honestly, for a lot of us, it's like, I want to make my art and be able to like sustain myself doing it, be able to take yeah. time off when I'm like, I got to take a little time here, recuperate right. and like have food and like a stable place to live. And no fear of losing <clears throat> exactly. any of that. And I think that musicians and performers in a lot of ways are often up against that. Like that's always around the corner and you're just looking for it. Um, But again, queer people um, and other marginalized groups tend to have um, a whole lot of other baggage and trauma that they're also carrying around with them. That Well, and it can be so hard because it is, it is very difficult to fund your life through your art and so most people are doing at least one or two side hustles. And I know um, that last musician we interviewed, Jerrica, um, it's ve- make creating art is very, it takes a lot of energy and emotion. And when you're working all these other jobs in order to pay the rent, it can be so hard to create on top of that. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about that. Uh, just just recently, Edward, that like it's been it's it's been a struggle because of other personal things going on. Like, oh, I'm I'm the 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 spark isn't there right now. The lights mm-hmm. like the lights are kind of on, but no one's really home. You know, something so, so, something's For not sure. quite working. And I'm curious, do you have some things that in the past have helped like glide you back into like, OK, now I'm now I'm in a space that I can do this again? Besides basic commodities um, and comforts, because I know that that's probably going to be the answer. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like, for the longest time, I would just call my mom. Mm. And I'd be like, hey, like, mom, like, let me just cry to you for, like, 20 minutes, and then you're going to tell me to stop being a little whiny baby and just, you know, I already know what to do. I already know how to fix it. And a lot of the times was I was waiting for someone else to do it for me. And I think that was that's kind of what a lot of us do when we're kind of in that, like, moment where we're like, oh, my gosh, this could be it. But sometimes we have somebody to be like, grab your face and be like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know? And now I don't have that. Yeah. Like, my mom moved to Arkansas, so now she's, you know, on the other side of the country. And now it's been, uh, it's, get, it's gotten a little more difficult uh, but I started uh, actually my mental health journey a few months ago because my partner's been doing his journey for a couple years, and I've been kind of like pushing it off and been like, Bleh, I don't want to. It's not me. I'm not crazy or mentally unstable. It's just what people want me to think. You know, lying to myself like we all do because we don't want to think of ourselves as less than, but then that's the problem is that we had the mindset of that we're less there than, it is. and that's not the mm. case. And so after I got past that stigma, is it's just like, it's who I am, but I need to learn to deal with it. That's where I started going. And like now, you know, like my, my apartment, like it's, it's spotless. <laughs> and I haven't done that in like four years. So I'm like, okay, like I'm getting myself together. I'm able to set up my computer properly without getting mad and walking away from it in tears. You know, I'm, things are slowly piecing themselves back together but like in a new way like yeah. it's it's not the same me anymore it's this new forming like i want to keep some of the old pieces but i want to like evolve into this new version of me so i'm kind of in that like metamorphosis cocoon kind of stage yeah and to anybody listening who may think you know that stuff sounds like small and trivial um anyone struggling with mental health when something internally 
is going on, your outsides can really be a scream for help. I know KJ has been to my apartment when it was just wall-to-wall garbage. And it's just like, oh, honey. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Those small things, like keeping a tidy space, um... And just being able to get up and do your act- your activities of daily living um, every day. It was a lot harder than I thought. It's huge. It really is huge. So I just, yeah. I love that you shared that with us because um, it takes a lot of tough internal work in order to do that external stuff too. So that's really cool. For sure. Absolutely. And like and it's interesting because it manifests for everybody so differently and learning what your personal like ooh i'm noticing this thing right now and that's usually a warning sign of <laughs> things to come and knowing what those are for you yeah um like for me it's when i can't focus on anything other than the darkness i'm like mm, something's not right like i can't find a positive spin on anything you know those are the days where i'm like sums up What's up? We got to check in for 20 minutes, an hour, rest of the day, if I can. You know, like, like you know, those are. And it's also really important, I think, to, to talk about our own mental states in a lot of ways. Because, again, queer people, no matter how privileged a queer person is in any capacity, there is a certain amount of societal baggage and trauma that gets placed upon you that you carry with you your whole life. And being in a minority group and being in a marginalized group will do that to you no matter what. And it's really important for us to also put it out there like it's okay to acknowledge it. It's a beautiful thing to work through. And also, like, queer people do thrive. They do live. They do love. And they do, like, succeed in a lot of ways. Contrary to what popular media sometimes wants to (laughs) have us believe about queer people. We are happy sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, so it is. And, and we're able, like, again, we keep, we're, we're still here, you know, we're still here. Yeah. Um, still doing it. So I am so happy we got to talk about that a little bit because, again, as Austin said, I don't think that we're, even even as things get better with that and we talk about it more as a, as a, as a general culture, I think overarchingly people are still really uncomfortable talking about their mental health. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, so it sounds like um, it sounds like a a bit of a barrier to creating has been mental health for you. Um, Have you found addressing your mental health to inhibit any of it? Because I know sometimes that's also a struggle is that a lot of times people feel really creative in their chaos. And so a lot of times getting better, uh, people worry about losing that creativity. Has that happened to you at all? It's definitely been um, a struggle for sure. I've noticed in myself that I haven't sat down at the computer until this Sunday. (laughs) So this is like the first time since like I started my mental health journey. And I think a lot of it is that I'm trying to in the midst of doing like the waiting process of like in between appointments, you know, they're like months apart, you know, like you can only do so much yourself. So like at this point, that's why I was like, okay, what external stuff can I do to keep myself busy and not be overwhelmed? And at the, like, I tried to sit down with some friends and like, I can't even sit still sometimes cause there's still just so much that my body's processing and the chemicals are changing, so I'm changing. And it's it's been a struggle to just sit down and get my thoughts out on paper. So it has hindered that. But I don't think it's changed my creative process. I just think there's just a block. And it's just like, okay, we're going to put a block on this. It's kind of like an ad blocker, and we're going to bring that creativity back. Once you once you settle down a little bit, once you calm down, once you calm down, we'll bring it up and we can talk about it again. So that's kind of like a, how I've been thinking about it recently. Sure. And sometimes it'll just kind of spark <clears throat> into place one day. You're like, I got to do this thing. Um, oh, for sure. And then it, it can like, you'll you'll do it and you'll feel really good and you'll either keep rolling with it or you're like, okay, I did that. I completed that. That feels good and right. 
and that can lead to something new. I think that I, it it sounds to me like right now you're you're in that place where you're like you're like it's coming, something's there, it's on the horizon. I can yeah. sense it. It just hasn't quite manifested or like made itself known to you yet. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I I like to think about creative ideas for myself as sort of like sometimes it's like gophers popping out of a hole like hey here's an idea and then like if i don't well whack it i guess uh, you, don't, you don't grab it it goes right back yep, it's like yep. hey. and then you sit back over here you're like over here like that's that's how my like chaotic mind tends to think about it and then there are the moments where it's like it's like i i wake up and it's just right there here it is you can't really run. It, it, it's a giant yeah. weasel. You can't yep. miss it. <laughs> you cannot miss it, and it's not going anywhere. Oh, I know, like, and that's, you, like, a huge reason why um, art and capitalism don't really get along. <laughs> because you really can't be, like, well, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 is when I'm creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then oh. after 5, girl, I just turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and... That yes, uh, question for you. This 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 was not a question I had prepared in my head, but creating and capitalism two K sounds that, as Austin just said, don't often go together. <laughs> How do you make capitalism work for you in a system that is like inherently designed to work against most of us? In your opinion, how do you personally? feel about that's a that. great question and i'm a broke artist <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't really <laughs> have you solved let me, it <laughs> let me rephrase the question to not make it feel like i'm putting the entire weight of solving capitalism on you um how about this how do you find ways around the crushing weight of capitalism when you're like like if 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 i don't do this in the right way i won't make money on it and if i don't make money on it it's not worth anything like those thoughts that are very intrusive and often not yours they're other mm-hmm. other people's and other entities thoughts trying to attack for sure um yeah i would have to say that um it's just not about the money mm-hmm. it can't be about the money and if it's about the money it's not going to work because it's it's about the connections it's about the building it's about the community and the community is what's going to bring the money I mean, you know, you can be the most amazing artist ever and have an entire, be, you know, playing a show for 10,000 people. But if two people show up, I mean, you, you, how popular are you? How good are you? You know, so you're those two people. Yeah, they may be like diehard fans, but you're not making money off of those two fans. You yeah. Know? And so I don't want to think about it that way. I want to think about it as it's it's for the art. It's for the music. It's for the connection. And, I mean, my my biggest goal with my music is to eventually have an entire team behind me of just all queer individuals that are dancers and makeup artists and costume designers and fashion designers and seamstress and all of the works all working together collectively, but not necessarily like we're a unit. We're all just individuals that work together. Yeah, it's like a collective um, <clears throat> more so exactly. than that or like a cooperative um, which is yeah. my dream for the future, uh, for, for, for myself personally. I would really like to start an artist collective, not necessarily a theater company, but an artist collective of people that like we interchangeably work with and for each other in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of what I'm doing. Because cause like I, I, I'm going to plug this just a little bit. I did bring you on board to sing for some of the tracks for my demo album, which at the moment I don't have funding for. So I'm just making everything on my own. And then the people who want to come on the journey and record a few things for it, I'm like, come here. Thank you so much. <laughs> but like, I don't have hundreds of dollars to pay people right now. Um, this is very much a right. labor of love. But my hope is that by bringing more people on board, we can create something that other people will be interested in and we can bring all of our own collective spheres together to create something really cool and beautiful. And it sounds to me like that's sort of what you're hoping for, but on a, um, in a more, uh, uh, like what, what, what am I trying to say? Like a more, uh, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. My thought literally just flew completely out of my head. Um, it's gone. You missed the weasel. <laughs> I missed the away. weasel. I did. Or the, 
the blue whale. I'm not sure what it is. Um, it was it was a gopher thought. Um, but it but really, it, it it just sounds like you're really also interested in this idea of like community and collaboration more so than I am the sure. talent and the star. And here I am, you know, because. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. I mean, I am. I am the star. But we but all like, you are. know, <laughs> Exactly. But we all have to kind of think about that our, ourselves a little bit because you have to get other people to believe that that's what you are. Like, as I like to think of artists as entrepreneurs. Like, that's what we are. Mm-hmm. We have to sell ourselves all the time. But that's why I've been trying to fo- focus on the community building and the trying to create value out of invaluable things. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be something that's just like, oh, I'm making this, and it's going to sell for $400, and if they don't buy it, I'm going to be super mad about this because I set the bar way too high. Because, you know, like, I feel like... My favorite quote is that, you know, there's always going to be 100 views, but you're not always going to have 100 likes because 100 people are always watching you, but not 100 people are supporting you. Right. And it's very, it, it's very much thinking, like like we were saying earlier, like the, the numbers thing, like some people care about the numbers, but once you start caring about that, that's when it stops getting fun. That's when it's a job. And that's when you're not creating to create, you're creating to capitalize. And that's where I feel like that line is so thin that like, let other people capitalize on you and you just make the royalties. You just make the art, like just make the art because otherwise you're going to be unhappy because you become a business owner at that point. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Oh, absolutely. And as we've pointed out uh, throughout this conversation, uh, quantifying art is kind of the enemy of like creating authentic art mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. again, as queer people, we're constantly told that like our authentic selves are, you know, they're not okay in the eyes of certain people, whether it's that church congregation my my previous experiences with the Catholic Church, uh, or if it's like that group over there, or that, or that person, or blah, blah, blah. Th- we're constantly being told that mm-hmm. our authentic identities are like shameful or not okay. And we just don't need to bring that into our artistic lives as well. Like, oh, that can't be, you can't monetize that. Okay. <laughs> Is, that's not going to play well with the algorithm. Barf. You know, like after after a while, you just sort of have to let go of all of that and just kind of see where it takes you and be okay. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize the algorithm was telling me what to paint. (laughs) My bad. Oh, the algorithm told me that I had to eat mac and cheese today. Well, that sounds fine. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's, it's, It's a lot. And... I think when you feel like, kind of like you said, when you feel like you're up against it and people are asking you all of those questions that start to feel a little intrusive, you're like, I don't, why, mm-hmm. um, you, it, it starts to, it takes all of the like joy and the fun and like the connection out of the creative process and absolutely creative people do. We, we're, we, we get a little bit, um, we get a little precious about our creative process and we're like, how dare you come mm-hmm. in here and try to mess all that up for me? But it uh, is always <laughs> right. helpful to comment on YouTube and tell you exactly what you find wrong with someone's art. <laughs> <laughs> or take to Twitter <laughs> and slide into those DMs. I didn't really um, enjoy the bridge yes. at three minutes and 12 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, subtweet me and we'll talk later. Oh, my God. Don't at me at all. Just... just <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you can you can add me with emphatic praise, please and thank you. Um. Well, Edward Michael, not that we have to wrap up, but I do want to um, ask where where can people find you to the to the two people listening to this podcast? Where are you at? <laughs> so you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, all under Edward Michael Official. You can find my music there. You can find me being a goofball with my cats on TikTok. You have cats? And oh, I do. I have three I of them. I love cats. I wish. I don't know where they were at. Otherwise, I would, I would oh. grab them for you. But. Well, the- <clears throat> yeah, all of the tags are Ed- Edward Michael official. So come find me. Well, fabulous. What, what, other qu- what haven't we covered? Is there anything you want to share with us that we didn't bring up? 
Um, I am working on a new song. It is already in the works, and it should be out. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, next month. So I'm really excited. It's a power ballad that I have been working on, and it really kind of features a little bit more of my range in, in that. Also, another self-empowerment song. Oh, <laughs> no, absolutely. And you know that, you, uh, honestly, Shim Shim and I love a power ballad. Love it's one of our favorite ballad. things to belt in the car together. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Oh, well, thank you so much for meeting with us today. It was wonderful to actually have, like, a, a guest to chat with about some some things that, that uh, Shim Shim and I don't get to talk about all the time. So this was excellent. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Final thoughts at all? Um, if you're going to make music, make music. Don't make it for the money. Make it for the art. And, I mean, just do what makes you happy. Stop listening to everybody. I like that. Oh. Everyone else is doing themselves already. <laughs> oh, <so. laughs> let's put that on a bumper sticker. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and sell it. <laughs> That was the joke. This was really mm. all about exactly. making money. That's, what this <laughs> That's the only passive. Um, what do they call that? Passive income stream. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I want to die saying that out loud. (laughs) You know what I would do? I would just like do it, hit it really big, and then just fucking coast. And then just coast. Something new.